my, my job is to somehow make them curious enough or persuade them by hook or crook to get more aware of themselves and where they came from and what they are into and what is already there and just to bring it out. This is what compels me to compel them. And I will do it by whatever means necessary. Welcome to the Black Girls Heal podcast, where we talk about healing our intimacy disorders, unresolved trauma, and building a healthy relationship with first ourselves and then others. Every episode, we will talk about advice you can apply today to break unhealthy patterns and grow in your self-worth. I'm Sheena Lachey, love addiction coach and trauma specialist. Let's begin. Hello, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Black Girls Heal. I hope wherever you are, however this episode finds you, that you are doing what you need to do to take space and time for yourself because you deserve it, you need it. Rest is a form of resistance while also being a form of true healing, um, being able to take ownership and find pockets of peace where you can um, or take big globs of peace um, wherever you can. And so I hope that you're doing that for yourself and I hope that you are finding joy with the people in your immediate circle and in your circles of trust. So for today's episode, you know, I talk often on this podcast about how wherever you go, there you are. You bring your set of boundaries, how you see yourself in all places. I've talked about how even though I focus on romantic relationships here on the podcast, as far as the the window into healing, the work that you do to heal this stuff is so integrated and related to how you see yourself and how you see the world that if you fix one part of this, everything else will fix as well because you are, you're having to look at yourself and you're having to look at your set of beliefs and what you feel that you deserve in, in regards to other people, you know, and what happens in our relationships is just a microcosm of things that happen in other, in other relationships as well. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. Okay, so I have a question for you. On a scale of zero to five, where zero is, I don't think about it at all, and five is I'm fully connected, how on top of your hormone health are you? If you said zero to one, it is time to build that connection. Your hormones and your cycle are central to your overall functioning and regulating your body will completely transform your mental, emotional, and physical health. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality and it shows. Hormone Harmony contains science-backed herbal extracts called adaptogens. Now here's the beauty about adaptogens. They help the body adapt to any stressors, like chaotic hormonal changes that happen naturally throughout a woman's life. And even though it helps for more than just menopause, Hormone Harmony is great for any horrible menopausal symptoms that put a woman's life on hold, like hot flashes and night sweats, raising thoughts, low mood, poor sleep, feeling tired all the time, bloating and gas, lower sexual desire. Hormone Harmony can help with all of those things. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code BGH at checkout. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. 
before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. And even though I say that, I don't really spend a lot of time explaining that and talking about that as much, but I'm going to do, I'm going to do that for today's episode. Today's episode, I'm going to talk about how our codependent feelings and behaviors and actions will show up in non-romantic settings as well. And I'm going to discuss how we can absolutely be codependent with responsibilities, with with work, with, with commitments um, that we might actually not need to be as committed to it as we feel that we should be. So first, let me go ahead and start off with defining what I mean by codependence for this episode. So codependence is anytime you rely on a person or a process or a substance, anything outside of yourself, and you make it more important than your relationship with yourself. And so over time, you will find that your thoughts, your actions, your feelings get very integrated with this person, this thing, this process, this um, this institution, and it will define whether or not you are a good person, whether or not you are worthy, and you will typically abandon yourself in order to make this person, this institution, this place, this situation happy with you, proud of you, and making sure that it doesn't leave you or find you to be disappointing. We are primed and ready to be codependent with outside persons and institutions. Whenever we grow up in settings that it is our role to be responsible for parents, be responsible for siblings, be responsible for making sure that we are perfect so that people like us, accept us, give us the things that we need, give us affection, um, treat us as the favorite, is, is built as a form of protection. If I'm able to make other people happy, if I'm able to make other people safe, then that means I'm safe. Or if I'm able to make other people happy, if I'm able to make other people safe, then that gives me my sense of purpose. And for those of us where that's already our intrinsic personality, like we are already typically a compassionate, empathic, giving person, When we add on that trauma of our whole sense of self is built around making sure other people are okay and other people are satisfied and other people um, tell us that we're okay and that they affirm us, it's it's just amplified, right? So what happens is that doesn't go away as we grow up and we mature, right? If we learn that that coping mechanism just shows up in these adult forms, And oftentimes these adult forms look like those of us who are overachievers or overcommitted to to our work, to our churches, to our friend groups, to to taking care of people who, who claim to be broken or too destitute or whatever it might be to where it puts us at harm emotionally, physically, financially, because we have a hard time prioritizing our needs over theirs because we've learned almost as for many of us for as long as we've known how to talk and for some of us even before that it is so deeply ingrained that for us to choose us is wrong it is selfish it is bad um, that you are the problem and that you just need to give a little, you just need to compromise a little, you need to consider the other side 
all of the justifications that people who may have used us or institutions that have used us or places that have used us have, um, have given to be able to, to have full use of us, full access to us and not be mutually giving as well. So let me break down what I mean by that. Many of us have taken this ongoing trauma or this trauma that we had as little girls and has continued into being an ongoing trauma because we will work ourselves to the bone in our nine to fives or in our, in our jobs. We are so committed to trying to, um, to prove our sense of worth of, of making sure that other people have everything that they need for us saying, well, if I'm not there and if I'm not going to do it, all the walls are going to fall down, that it will affect our health, that it will a physical health, that it will affect our mental health, that it'll affect our relationships and our emotional stress. And we might go and complain about it and we might go and talk to our therapist about it. Um, but when it actually comes down to putting down boundaries and saying no and putting in real changes, we might find that to be really hard. Another sign of being codependent is over-identifying with the opinion of the other person to define whether or not you are good enough, valuable enough, loved, and that being the source of all your affirmation. affirmation. So just like in a relationship with the way that codependence will look like in a romantic partnership um, or family relationship or otherwise is... You know, if someone is mad at me that you can't function, that it's hard for you to eat, that you might go and distract yourself, that you might try to overfix this situation. Um, also, by the way, for my for my stonewallers and my avoidance, you're also showing your hand whenever someone is upset with you and the way that you cope is by trying really hard to pretend that you don't care and to show how aloof you are by doing these distracting behaviors, right? If you really didn't care, you would just go on with life as normal, but you kind of showing off to prove that you don't need someone to prove a point is showing how much intensity and power actually is there. So you got to be honest with yourself when, when things do matter to you instead of trying to uh, regain some control that way. Um, communicate with your partners, but that that's not the point of this episode. You can absolutely be codependent with the opinion of a boss, the opinion of a pastor, the opinion of a coworker, an opinion of your employee, um, the opinion of, you know, your co-volunteer with your business partner, you can be codependent with any and all, you can be codependent with the cashier at Starbucks, wondering if they actually like you or not. Uh, wondering if they always have an attitude when you come in, if that's really about you and they don't like you and are they nicer to the person in front of you? Like why they always give me a stank face and you're over reading into this person's response to you for five minutes of your day and letting that define the rest of your week, right? And it's sending you into a crisis of identity about whether or not you're a good person because someone happens to have a, a bad attitude with you from behind behind the register, right? And so we can be code, codependent in all these places. That's why when I say we bring our sense of self and we bring our sense of felt worthiness everywhere we go, that we have to start with this as an inside job. Us starting on the outside and you know trying to figure out how to um, how to 
how to have healthy conversations with people, right? Like maybe we're someone who's trying to work on, on communicating what we need. And we're like, okay, I'm just going to get a book on communication and boundaries. And while that's great, if you don't get to the root of why you don't feel the, 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 the right to, to say your boundaries of why you don't feel the right to use your voice in the first place, it doesn't matter how many notes you highlight and how many notes you take. When you get in front of them, your voice is going to shake. When you get in front of them, you're going to change what you want to say to try to appease them because that internal response, that internal trained response to keep yourself safe is going to kick in. So many of y'all have so much frustration because like I've said before in other episodes, you've tried all the things. You've done all of the external things that you're supposed to do to practice this and you still keep hitting these same walls, right? And I'm telling you why is <laughs> because there's trauma underneath it. And this includes even for the smaller things, even in the relationships that you feel logically shouldn't matter, right? Even if it's the, the example I just gave before, you know, the person at the local Starbucks, that literally matters 0% in your life. And, um, you know, of course that is not because they are not valuable. All people are valuable, especially my service providers. Y'all hold it down and take so much in customer service work that you deserve a medal and like five times the pay that you get. But my point being just someone who like is just a, a, a blip in the time, as far as the time that they take up in your life. And logically you're like, okay, why do I even care what the local grocery store clerk thinks about me? Why do I even care what, um, this random person that I passed at Ross thinks of me because she looked down at my shoes and it looks like she didn't like the shoes I was wearing. Why does that bother me so much? It shouldn't bother me. And you try to talk yourself down and say, she doesn't matter. And you tell yourself whatever you have to tell yourself. Some of us, the way that we protect ourselves is we judge other people and we say really nasty things about them in our head to try to divert the fact that their opinion, our imagined opinion, our, what we imagine their opinion of us is, we try to deflect it so that it doesn't have as much, um, as much power over us, right? But we do that by trying to tear them down. And some of, sometimes we try to overcompensate in some other areas. So we feel insecure, but based on what we assume the opinion of other people are. And so we try to overcompensate in areas to try to make ourselves feel worthy. And the, the, the way to fix that is not to do either one of those, but to get your self love up, to get your worthiness up. So let me go ahead and talk a little bit about where a little bit more in detail about where some of this codependency comes from or how it might show up in our adult lives. So one way that codependency will show up in our adult lives is over responsibility, over responsibility and over commitment to a person, an institution, a commitment, a relationship, because we, for a couple of reasons, one reason could be that we are very concerned with how it will make us look if we do not do everything that they're asking us to do or that needs to be done. We are so concerned with looking lazy or irresponsible or selfish or whatever it might be that we will stick around and stay committed to something that we don't need to stay committed to because we are afraid of other people's opinions, right? I remember um, there was something that I was committed to that I have been feeling burnt out with. 
Um, it was back in college. I was in um, I was in college ministry, and I had been feeling burnt out with the role that I had at that time. And I was like, man, I wish I didn't have to do this. There's some other things I wish I could be doing on these nights or some other relationships I feel like I want to grow in, um, people I want to get to know, but I have to do this. And I remember distinctly that I had these feelings, but I had just heard I just heard a sermon <laughs> that was like, you know, you got to stay committed and be and be true to your word. And, you know, who's going to be there when things get hard? And it totally played into the part of me that believes that things are supposed to be hard. The part of me that believed that it was normal for things to be stressful, that you're supposed to push through and stay places even when it's uncomfortable to you because then it's going to magically work out at the end and all of that. And that's the part I listened to instead of my intuition that was just telling me something isn't right and I don't need to be here anymore. But I stayed and I stayed out of obligation. I stayed out of commitment. Um, it was not a good way to end that time for me. It was very clear that that was not where I was supposed to be. But because I didn't have my own sense of self-worth, I was so afraid of people judging me, of me looking irresponsible, of me letting people down, that I stayed. And that's the other reason why a lot of times people will stay places that they're not supposed to or that they don't need to stay is because they feel like they are the only one who can do things. And that is um, based both on ego, right, that you are the one and that there's no one who is as you know, talented or nice or smart or capable as you, that you are the one when God has made many people who can support and and be there, especially if it's, if it's clear that your time should end, especially if you need to protect your own mental, emotional, physical, spiritual health for me in, in that instance. But also it is based on this, that trauma response of, I have to take care of people that you will insert yourself to be the savior, to be the Messiah of people who don't need it. That you have made, your, the, made yourself the caretaker, the provider of other people who most likely need to learn how to do it on their own, right? And so there's so many things that go into being over-responsible, but the key component of all this is healing what's making you do that. And the way that you heal that is by choosing you. And the way that you choose you is to figure out what you actually want. That's why I spend so much time in my programs and I'll, you know, I'll slip it in here on the podcast whenever I can to say, you need to figure out what it is that you want. And if you don't know what you want, we got to work together to figure that out. We got to get real clear on helping you have courage to be honest with yourself in spite of all the fears that come along with it. So this isn't about shaming yourself for having these fears. This isn't about shaming yourself for caring what people think. Y'all, I've just, I have just had to, to understand that for me, and this is not everybody's experience. For me, my personality type, the way that I am, the way I'm set up, I am going to care about people's opinions. But I also, especially, you know, in my healing work, you know, like I'm a healer, I'm, I'm front facing, I care about how my words affect y'all. I care about, care about the impact. I, um, I think a lot about it. I'm very intentional about it. And so I own that. 
And at the same time, with me knowing that about myself, I can also be clear with how much power I'm going to let that have and what what place I'm going to put that in instead of defining. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors. As our country continues to grow and make new meaning of the intersection between current and historical events, it is so important to stay connected to the voices and the leaders who are influencing what progress, connection, equality, and truth mean to us as Black people. The next generation of influential Black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of Blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's Black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the Black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection from some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center Black voices. It's NPR Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as varied, nuanced, and Black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. Amy, right? That I still have value, that I still have worth, that I'm still everything that I am in spite of what someone else's opinion is. Ladies, I am so excited to share that for this podcast episode, I've partnered with eHarmony, the dating app that helps people find real genuine connection. And for me, this app has absolutely held true to their promise, connecting me to a truly incredible relationship and partnership with someone who truly gets me. Dating apps can be so hard when it comes to filtering through persons who you may not have anything in common with or who may not be super serious about the process and committed. With eHarmony's one-of-a-kind compatibility quiz, you get a baseline standard in every match of your compatibility around values, communication styles, likes and dislikes, energy levels, and so much more. My experience with eHarmony has always been superb with not only the quality of men I was matched with, but also with our compatibility when dating, eliminating the stress of feeling as if I was wasting my time. So join the dating app that helps users find their most authentic relationships. eHarmony, get who gets you and start free today. Hey, we hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Let's take a quick break to say thanks to this week's sponsors right? That I have done the work to be able to, if I have a hard moment or if I get feedback that is hurtful, or if I start getting in my head, like no one said or done anything, but my own insecurities come, come to play. I've done the work to figure out how do I self nurture and how do I take care of myself? And to go back to what I was saying before, that's why I spend so much time with the women in our programs, the women in our coaching programs to to get to that place too, because once you're at that place 
where you are so clear on how to love you and take care of you, everything else gets better because now you are not as dependent on other people's opinions and on their whims. You know, people have bad days. You have bad days. You know, that person in Starbucks might really like that you come through every day because you're always smiling and in a happy mood when everybody else is grumpy, but they ain't going to show you on your face, but you think that you're the worst person ever, according to them, you know? So we make up a lot of stories based on our own insecurities, which is the second point to identify whether or not you are codependent with a person or a situation or a work environment is that our subconscious is constantly looking for evidence to prove that what we feel is true is true about the world. So if we believe that we have that, uh, that people's acceptance of us is very fickle and people can change their mind anytime that they can leave, that secretly everyone doesn't like us and that they think we're a fake and an imposter, Whatever event happens, we are going to filter it through that belief system and find it as evidence that what we think is true is real. And the reason why that happens is because our bodies and our minds are built to protect us, right? And so if our body and our mind has perceived a certain set of events as a threat, it's going to do everything in its power to uh, every day of our life, just scan the room, scan the environment to see if a threat is present, even if a threat is not actually there. So if I believe that people are against me and if they don't like me, I am always going to see people as a threat and unsafe, even if I happen to be in the presence of people who are safe. And the way that that happens is I'm going to make up stories and assumptions about the things that they do or don't do that proves that they are unsafe. So for example, I'm going to go quickly back to, you know, relationships directly with people in your inner circles. But if I want to hang out with a friend and she tells me that she's not available to hang out, and I'm already having trust issues, I'm going to make up a whole story about how she did, probably really didn't want to hang out with me anyways. I'm going to look to the past. I'm going to count all the times that she said that she wanted to hang out and flaked out on me. And I'm going to use this as evidence of why I am not going to mess with her, why I'm not going to hang out with her going forward. Right. And it's going to feel very true and it's going to feel very factual. Versus the actual reality of the situation, which is maybe she's an accountant and it's tax season and she literally does not have time because she is working. And um, because of the nature of where she works as an accountant, maybe her tax season is longer or maybe she also has to do audits at a local bank because of her position. And so just her time is legitimately shorter. But because I'm filtering it all through this personalization that when people say something or do something, they are doing it to me or about me or against me, I see everything as a threat, right? I see everything as a slight and it's very hurtful. And again, this is all because, you know, maybe we've had some real hurtful experiences in the past, but this is an active point of unlearning that we have to do. And that's why having coaching and support is so important because, you know, I'm giving y'all these examples and it may be connecting with y'all, but I can't tell you how many times, you know, people will tell me situations like my coaching students, you know, way back 
when I was doing therapy as well, my, my therapy clients, they would tell me situations and they would be very clear and like proud of like how they have seen that this person is dangerous and, um, and unavailable for them and that they're going to put down boundaries and they're not going to talk to them anymore. And then we kind of flesh out the situation a little bit and I'm like, well, have you, what about this? Have you thought about this? And what if this was actually what was happening? And then they have to kind of look at, huh, maybe I have this wrong or, well, did you communicate this? And when they said this, is that actually what they said out loud? Or was that a whole conversation that you had in your head that feels very true to you, but that's not actually what they said, you know? And so when it comes to doing this intimacy healing work, y'all, this codependence work, this, this love addiction, this love avoidant work, you cannot do it alone. These are intimacy issues. You need relationships to help you get to the other side. No matter how smart you are, no matter how wise you are, no matter how much you've done this healing, y'all, I, I do this for a living. And I still, you know, will bounce this off my husband who has more common sense and more detachment from these issues that, that I need for, for whenever I get stuck in my head about things, right? I'll talk to my sister who has a more grounded sense of her self-worth, who she's not someone who is really um, swayed by other people's opinions of her. So I will talk to her about this. I will talk to my um, therapist when I'm having sessions with her about this. Um, I will talk, you know, I will always talk with other people instead of trying to be in my head because that's where I find success. And you got, you have to have those people in your life. You have to. And you have to give them access to give you feedback. You have to show up with that. Um, it's great to come sometimes, you know, figure it out yourself and then tell it to them as a praise report, but let people be a part of that process with you. And the last example I'll give today for, you know, how to show if you're codependent or how to tell if you're being codependent with the person, an institution, um, a work situation or otherwise is that you're not putting down boundaries with them to protect yourself. So this kind of loops back around to my introduction of this topic in the first place. Like you have to say no and you have to be comfortable saying no because your mental, physical and emotional health is so important. You know, one of the things, one of the blessings that I received from my mother is that she was such a hard worker. She was dedicated. She was a creative. She was dependable. Um, she was the person who got everything done. She was the person that people could depend on. But the other thing that I learned from my mother is how to not take breaks. And I learned that not because she told me not to take a break, but I never saw her take a break. And so I never learned how to accurately measure when I was approaching burnout. Right. So that's something I'm still I, I, I'm always like I'm doing autopilot trying to trying to figure it out. And for those of you who aren't familiar with that metaphor of autopilot, a lot of times people think that um, when someone puts in the autopilot coordinates that it'll, it'll just take a plane or a boat or a submarine or whatever has the coordinates directly to the place in a straight line. But that's not how autopilot works. Autopilot works by putting in the coordinates and the plane will go in the general direction. And then if it gets a little bit off to the left, it'll recalibrate and it'll say, okay, you're going a little bit to the left. And so now you need to go to the right. And then it'll go a little bit more to the right. 
and then when it's going too far right it'll say okay now time to go to the left and it keeps going back and forth in the zigzag motion until it zeroes in on its coordinates so for me and me learning how to to listen to my body <laughs> and balance the fact that I'm always going to be someone who's creating. I'm always going to be someone who is serving and in front of people while also, and also, hello, I'm a mother. Hello, I'm a wife. I'm a sister. I'm a friend. I have all these roles. And most importantly, I am me and I need to be able to feel full and be, be taking care of my health. I'm constantly trying to figure out, okay, what does that look like? Right. And so this is related to overgiving or not saying no's because for me in my um, when I was in my nine to five roles, I would work and work and work and not take vacation days. I would um, come even when I was sick. Um, part of it was like the ego thing. Part of it is that I wanted people um, to think well of me. Part of me was part of it was I just didn't have any connection to the fact that breaks were a part of being a healthy and whole person. And I kind of celebrated the fact that I didn't take breaks. You know, I found, I found pleasure and pride in the fact that I was such a hard worker. But sis, young, if you haven't learned this lesson yet and people would tell me this and I would hear it, but I didn't really understand it or I might like judge them about it and I would say, you know, well, it's just because you've had negative working environments. And for the most part, I've really worked in some great roles that I've loved but they're still institutions. And people would always say, you know, you need to have more loyalty to yourself than your jobs because at the end of the day, you know, you are a worker for a company and you can be replaced and you have to have your first responsibility to yourself. And I would hear that and I'd be like, okay, yeah, 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 you know, whatever. Until I, <laughs> until I had to learn that that was true. That, you know, once when my body did start declining, when I did start having getting sick, when I did start having PTSD symptoms because I was a flood survivor here in Houston, all that stuff. And then seeing how um, the way that I'd overgiven to this institution that I was very codependent and abandoned myself um, because I thought that it was mutual. Right. If you're in a codependent relationship, oftentimes you will abandon yourself and neglect yourself to overgive to someone because you think that they see and they appreciate it. And when, when the time comes that they will be just as generous back to you. But oftentimes when you're codependent, you are inaccurately judging the nature of the relationship. You're not seeing that it's not mutual until something happens and then it's very overt. And so that was totally the case for me and in my job roles, you know, once it actually came to me needing the support and the, and the grace and the extension that I had been given to them for years, it wasn't available. And if anything, I was shamed for asking for it. And it was a very hard lesson in realizing, okay, hold on. <laughs> Where did I measure this wrong? And then also it's like, why didn't I take the space for myself this whole time? And sometimes you just have to learn from experience. Sometimes you just have to learn by doing, but I wanted to have this episode because I want to spare anyone who may need it right now. And I think this last year has been a really good one. Of, one of the blessings that this last year at the time of recording this has given to people is the space for, for reflection, is the space to kind of reassess 
where things need to be priorities in your life. So this might be a lesson that many of you have already either learned or it's just been doubled down for you. But for anyone who may need this, I need you to start choosing yourself. I need you to pull out your calendar and I need you to put in vacations. If you volunteer at the church every Sunday, I need you to take some Sundays off. Literally. I, I Especially if you work nine to five. If you If you are otherwise obligated every day of the week, if you are babysitting your grandkids and you are um, cooking meals at the homeless shelter and you are and you are working on your side hustle and you're also the head of the women's ministry and you are also leading a Bible study on Sunday, I need you at least one Sunday, one Sunday to just to take a Sunday off and maybe sit in the congregation and, and be served, be loved on that way. You, you deserve it. You deserve to rest, especially if your body is talking to you and you're feeling heaviness. If you're having heart issues like me, hello, anybody out there who's too young to be having heart issues. Um, if you're having TMJ and jaw issues, if you're having intense muscle spasms, if you're having panic attacks that you know are not based on anything else in your life outside of stress and every other symptom I have enlisted, then you need to take a break. And I think that it does, it will do you a world of good to return better. If this is your passion, you loving to give, you loving to serve. And I'm not just talking about church anymore. I'm talking about any and all of the places, family, work, any kind of institution outside of you, you deserve to, to take that break. And I want you to do that for yourself. And so as always, Take what you need, take what applies to you, take what feels true and leave the rest. Um, I want you to be able to apply what's impactful for you in this moment and, and get, get, get what best serves you. So that's what I got for y'all this week. For those of y'all who are like, this was very helpful. I need extra support. Tell me more about these programs. Um, so you can work with me in my private group coaching program. It's application only. It's the recovery school. Um, it is our more intensive accelerator program where we will be together and unlearning all of the stuff that I just talked about um, as far as like where our trauma impacts us, learning how to have better boundaries with people, um, going really deep into the symptoms of love addiction and love avoidance and me providing you support and coaching along the way, along with skills and tools for you to actively use it in the moment. You can learn all about that by going to um, our website, blackgirlsfield.org slash recovery school, and um, it'll break that down for you. But also we just recently launched our Healed and Loved Woman membership because I know that there's a lot of women who have already um, great relationships with your therapist. Um, maybe you are very taxed out and very busy, but you know that you really want to work on that you part of the equation, right? Like you're the common denominator and you've heard me today when I said, as long as you're working on you, everything else will change. And that's the only thing you really have the capacity for. So once a month, I host a, uh, host a live class that talks about different components of unlearning this. This month, we are talking about finding and using your voice in relationships. 
um, so that you can show up as your best self in your relationships and, and speak even when your voice shakes. So we actually are going to be doing that workshop this um, this coming weekend. Um, so I would love for you to join us. Replays are available the month of the workshop for those who may miss it. And there's a new workshop every month um, because we build on it every month. And you can learn more about the membership by going to blackgirlsheal.org slash membership. And if you're walking, running, driving, whatever, if you just go to blackgirlsheal.org, you'll be able to find those options in the menu. And you can pick and choose uh, which one is the best fit for you. Um, with the recovery school, you do get automatic access to the membership um, for a few months. So um, you... You don't have to choose if you listen to both of those and you're like, I'm on both of those. Well, then check out working with me in our recovery school coaching program. So that's it for for today, y'all. I hope you have a wonderful week and I will see you in the next one. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Before we get started, let's take a small break to say thank you to this week's sponsors. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.